But Harry Maguire being back in this England squad, Jesus Christ. I mean, if Ezra Kanza and Harry Maguire were racing in a straight line, Kanza would lap him. It's the, the, the levels of ability of these two players is absolutely unparalleled. Hi, guys. Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal. Which he accepted with one proviso. Oh, fuck it, As Unai Emery turned and screamed at Austin McPhee, gesturing with his hands as if to ask, can we not just take a normal corner? It looked like another bad night under the cold, dark Villa Park sky. And I had three thoughts there and then. Number one, will Emery, the European master, ever win a cup game with Aston Villa? (laughs) Should I just stop watching all midweek Aston Villa games forever? <laughs> and the third is one that comes to me every single time we watch a game, to be honest. It was, will John McGinn ever head a ball properly? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Emery will win a cup game. No, I'll never stop putting myself through this torture because maybe I like the misery. And yes, John McGinn will score one of the most beautiful headers you'll see in injury time in Europe under lights with the armband. What a hero. Yeah, and what a second half that was to watch. And look, Conan, I'm not going to come on here and insult our listeners by pretending I wouldn't be insulting our players if John McGinn didn't time his run perfectly onto that cross. But that made it all the better. There is nothing better than a game of football, a half of football in this case, <laughs> with just chance after chance. Oh, sorry, there is something better. A last-minute winner, a deserved winner then as well. I mean, the anticipation, the building of momentum, the irrationality of saying, give it to Leon Bailey against the 10-man defence. Let's see what Bertie T can do after he cuts back in the crowd and slows the momentum down. Keep trying those free balls that aren't on, Yuri. You know, just the excitement of watching your team play the last 15 minutes of a match with one defender and him playing 15 yards inside the opposition mm. half and just knowing that the goal is going to come. I mean, the first half, it felt like an alternate universe where we left Steven Gerrard in charge. And not just because of not just because of how poorly we played, but because of the quality of the opposition. We would have ended up playing with Gerrard as we just dropped down through the leagues. I mean, we were playing... Let's, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, like a last-minute winner. But we were playing the champions of the 39th best league in Europe. I mean, their, their win against AZ Alkmaar might help them might help to push the boss the bosnian league away from the far away this league but that's the fucking reality of who we were playing tonight is it bosnia is that where they're from <laughs> <laughs> but no it was, it was an enjoyable match or this enjoyable second half because i did have a thought because i could see people complaining throughout the first half and trust me i was there as well it was painful it was torturous but I did enjoy the second half and I wasn't as sure the goal was going to come, but it's nice sometimes just being in complete control and just you're the team camped outside their half, attacking, attacking, just retrieving the ball, going again. And it was helped by the Bosnians just giving up any hope of trying to attack. There was no counter-attack plan for them. They were just trying to hold on. It would have been a brilliant result for them, but it made all the better, obviously, because of the goal. And look, you mentioned Berti. When he came on, I thought, yes, this is exactly this is exactly what conference ball needs. Like, let's unleash Berti. Let's see what he can do. And I thought he was good. Matt Cash has pissed me off a little bit because... A couple of the runs you could see was a bit 
he was a bit frustrated with Bertie and a couple of times then Bertie tried to find him but I think he was maybe affected by Matt Cash giving out to him beforehand and he was trying to find him then when he just I wanted him to keep cutting inside I wanted him to try something else that we didn't see and it was Bertie who said it all the way the assist to the assister perennial assist to the assister it was big Bertie T and it was Telemans that played it out to Bertie T lovely little ball to Cash like he, in fairness him and Cash were getting the best out of each other they were demanding the most from each other and they <laughs> sent him away and it's, it's it's a gorgeous ball in from Cash and the header is is really nice and look I know we've probably exhausted the jokes about John McGinn's arse, but he is not getting moved in that area. <laughs> like, the defender is trying to center back, is trying to clatter into the back of him, and McGinn doesn't even notice his area. He bounces off his arse, and he continues just heading the ball very delicately to the other side of the keeper. Bertrand Trory has been watching Aston Villa play, I suspect, and he's been listening to this Villa podcast as well. I mean, he he saw Matt Cash looking for the ball on the inside at the edge of the box, and he said, "Try again, son." And he said, "Send him over enough. Like we got to get our shooters into position, and you're not my guy." And it's actually a really good header from McGinn. You're right, and I never doubted John McGinn's ability to head a ball, Conan. I doubted his ability to use his head and decide him when to use his head. I mean, all the, the glut of calamitous headers from John McGinn were all when he was all but crawling on the fucking ground, bent over the hips and using the top of his head like a fucking battering ram. Like, you're not trying to knock down the gate at your castle. He's watching too much Braveheart, not enough Michael Owen soccer skills when he was growing up, obviously. <laughs> Can you I get, imagine the power in that man's lower body to get that arse in the orbit? But you're right, once, <laughs> once it's up there, it's very hard to knock it off. <laughs> I just needed a, a bit of evidence that he could connect with the ball of his head. I, I understand that he was trying to head the ball when it was never on, but still would have been nice to see him actually connect with the ball with his head one, one or two times <laughs> during those efforts. He always hit it with his back or his neck or he fell into it or he fell over as he was deciding to do it. But I cannot take away from him here. I can't believe him even talking about those misses last season when he's just gone and won the first European match in how long now? In the 94th, just taking into the 95th minute as well. It's glorious stuff. And that was just after the run from Zaniolo who gave that ball to McGinn, who gave it to Watkins, who sort of flicked it off to Bailey. And Bailey probably should have shot if he's left, but he just can't resist. If there's a man that he's taken <laughs> on, Bailey's going to take him on. And he came back at the Watkins and he got blocked down. But like, we really were sort of gone at that stage. I mean, Douglas Louise was taking shots from the corner flag. Kanza had a decent shot. Telemans had a decent shot. Drew a good save from the keeper. Uh, it, was, it was all going. It was, I feel like in fairness to them, they were obviously told, you know, get your fucking fingers out tonight. In the first 15 minutes, Villa were on it. They were fast. They were sharp. They were trying to make something happen. Died out a little bit, a good bit. And then as the second half wore on, and I can't underestimate just how good and how much a cut above Watkins, Cash, and Douglas Louise look when they come on. It was just, they're just proper footballers and they brought a lot of intensity. And Watkins is just always open. He'll always make the pass so easy for you and it just stretches the play and causes panic. Yeah, and you're talking about the intensity we came out with in the first 15 minutes. I think that was just we had much more quality than them because it wasn't really working. I mean, like it's not it's not going to work when Leander Dentonker is part of your midfield and when Yuri Telemans is then the ball player next to him. That's not a, that's not a viable midfield at any level of the sport. And then Leon Bailey as well, obviously had it in his head 
that just that claim of get moving, get it going quickly, because he was all over the place. He was just lumping the ball forward every time he got it. I don't know what he thought John Duran was. He thought he was the fucking greatest player of all time. He's like, do something with that, John. It was ridiculous <laughs> stuff from Leon Bailey at times in that first half. But you're, you're right. We, we we got it together, and it was actually incredible. After that, how, how much of a difference that Douglas Louise made just coming onto midfield, taking the ball, playing the pass, taking the ball, playing the pass, playing the right pass, looking for Matt Cash, looking for the guy to come in. Played at Matt Cash twice in a row. The defense is off balance. Play it over to Leon Bailey on the other side. Like it's so simple. Whenever a team is camped on to get in to get at them, but we just weren't doing it in the first half at all. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do, do you remember Douglas O'Reilly trying to flick the ball back? He, he sort of turned away from someone. It was going towards the right-hand side of the pitch and he was running forward and he expected the defender to be with him and he tried to drop it back to Conza. <laughs> and the defender was just lazily standing there and like Louise is like, reminding me of playing somebody in FIFA, you know, somebody shit, where it's like, if you were a better defender, I actually would have gotten past you there. You shouldn't have been, <laughs> you shouldn't have been moving your man in that position. <laughs> you should have been coming this way and that's why I went that way and that's why Douglas Louise dropped it off. It gave you too much respect of anything. Yeah, it reminded me of having a shot against someone in five side who's never played in goals before and they're just standing there collecting your little dink over their head in their stomach because they haven't fucking dived to the ground at your feet like they're supposed to. <laughs> this Sani Olu boy is going to score an absolute screamer at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. He's getting so close. He's getting very unlucky. Three volleys, I think it was, tonight. One of them was from a corner. Caught it really well. The other one was the overhead. He caught that unbelievably well. And all the other one was from a corner. I think it was right foot. Telemans played it in from the other side and he didn't catch that one as well. But he's, <laughs> catch, he's catching all these volleys and he's making the keeper work. And it's coming. He's getting so close. He's scoring an absolute belter. I, don't, I, I was actually watching that first half thinking Zaniolo woke up this morning and decided he was going to score a goal and he wasn't about to let something as insignificant as his fucking teammates get in the way of that. It was absolutely ridiculous at times. The right foot at one was an absolute mess, but they all like the, the left foot folly. 
that just smashes off the guy who just doesn't know that it's there. The overhead kick, ah, so many good things. And you're talking about you're talking about th- th- realizing that the opposition players were shouting whenever Douglas Louise tried to drop it off. There was a moment where Zaniolo had the ball and just nobody came to him. That was the one where he just ran straight through their team all the way to the end line without being tackled because he was just too fast, too big, too strong. Ah, he's going to be a good player. <laughs> he is going to score a screamer. <laughs> that left-footed volley, the first one, was teed up by Diego Carlos and it brings me to a section that I'm going to call Rate McPhee's Work. <laughs> so we had a couple of corners. You've had, you've had better titles, <laughs> We tried the same corner twice to different different success stories. Um, it was um, Leon Bailey playing a short ball to Tielemans. Tielemans plays it back to Bailey, crossed it into Diego Carlos, teed up Zaniolo. That went well in the second half. Leon Bailey played a short ball to Tillemans and he tried to back heel it to, to Bailey to play him across the end line. And obviously, as we know by now, if somebody decides to nudge Tillemans off the ball, they're going to succeed. And <laughs> as Tillemans went to back heel that ball, he felt a bit of pressure from someone and he fell over and we just lost the ball and we had to go tracking back on a counter attack and in fairness Tielemans did track back well and he helped out and he helped retrieve the ball back but it was a corner and we fucked it up and uh, there, there, there was one then that was the one that um, Emery started cracking up we tried to float the ball to the back post and uh, you could see Emery just sort of signaling tra- with his hands it was almost like a better trajectory can we not just put the ball in and let somebody compete for it but we did do that a few times and then Diego Carlos was doing his best Courtney House impression and just <laughs> redding the ball out. It felt like he was just defending. I see a ball, I'm getting my head to it and he was <laughs> clearing that thing. We did have a nice free routine though to give Austin McPhee's due. It was basically just set Matt Cash away. We're on the right-hand side. Can we just roll the ball in front of Matt Cash? And I don't know if it's a good routine or is it just using his pace and aggression to go get a ball because he will get there if you tell him to go get it. And yeah, he got down towards the byline and then played it in and it was decent decent enough routine and like i have to commend how much <laughs> like even just thinking that one minute spiel that i'm talking there how many different examples i'm given like, how, how many of these examples can these boys remember out there they can remember all these different fucking set pieces and they're able to bring them out and i don't know if we need to do it all the time i don't know if they need to be worried about remembering that many but they are remembering them yeah, but like I'm not sure the one to Diego Carlos was on. If Diego Carlos just gets up and the one he heads it back to Zaniolo, mm. Diego Carlos just gets up and wins that. I don't think that's a set play. I think that's just a bad cross that Diego Carlos makes something off, and then Zaniolo tries to score a worldly from it. There's another one that was floated to the back post for Dina that probably was worked on because he's completely isolated and he has a shot that's blocked down on the volley as well. The Diego Carlos header one, I mean, that, that was not a Courtney House header. That is just what he was trying to do. It has to have been. I mean, it was only five minutes into the second half. He must have forgotten what end he was at because that is just a clean header. Gets his forehead right on it and puts it 25 yards wide. It has to, it has to be what he was trying to do, Conan. But you're talking there about, oh, isn't this amazing how, like, you know, how the players remember this, how he got so many routines. Our three best chances from corners were three direct shots from Douglas Louise. Let's not fucking kid ourselves here. <laughs> well, uh, and what I've said all along, it's not worth it because these routines are so elaborate. We so rarely score from them that it would just be better if we spent half the time fucking figuring out how to defend the corner every once in a while. Mm, I would definitely be an advocate of that as well. Matt Cash got a very harsh yellow card for being squared up to, it seems. 
Um, squared up to uh, at the very least. Was, was there a touch of that? Ah, for fuck, Conan. Like, I have a lot of things going on in my life. I can't afford to spend two minutes of my Thursday night watching Matt Cash lie on the ground rubbing his fucking nose. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how much self little self-respect you think I have for my time, yeah. but it's not that. That's not how I'm spending my Thursday night. And he can fucking grow up if he's going to do that. There's far too much diving going on from Aston Villa players tonight. There's one with Leon Bailey towards yeah. the end. The Bailey whenever... annoyed me. Yeah, oh, my God. God, like, like, like we're, trying to case count- the game. we're trying to finish the game we're trying to score a goal there's a fucking counter attack currently mm. happening as well like not only are you stopping us from scoring you're fucking giving them a hand at scoring as well because somebody ran into you and then afterwards as well and the ref doesn't give it just get up he's not giving it now and after after you do get up stop rocking around rubbing your fucking chest you're not hurt you prick and then John <laughs> McGinn as well the fucking captain like, Christ almighty, what was he playing at? It's pathetic. And look, I'm not trying to say there is a good time to dive, but if I was, when you're still in control of the ball at the corner of the opposition box, that is not a good time to dive. <laughs> I, I think I'm probably being too kind, but I think... You just, just, well, based, based on what you just said about Matt Cash, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fucking optimistic about where this is going. <laughs> I think he was giving them too much respect and that he expected the foul as well. It was like he was, he was going... It was, his run was that dangerous. It was that direct. It, it, they should have fouled him. He was about to unleash a shot over the bar, over his left foot. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like maybe he expected the foul to come. I don't want to be condoning diving, but I feel like he just sort of thought, this is what will happen right now. I poked the ball away from your man. Yep. He, he should now barge me over. But I but I also think that whenever the tackle didn't come, instead of going down to the ground screaming for the referee to give a free kick, which John McGinn knows wasn't there, he should get back up. Like John McGinn crawling across the ground is going to be effective against those lads trying to run back and get the ball. Mm. Like he's crawling against the ground, he's going to have his arse in an even lower centre of gravity. He's not going to be knocked off that. <laughs> the point about Cash anyway was that he got a yellow card and Longley seemed to avoid two surefire yellow cards in the first half. Just two clear body checks, this boy's getting away on the brick and he just cuts across and, and buries him because he's like, I'm not fucking catching him. Like, you know, and, I, and I appreciate the, the self-awareness and fairness. <laughs> yeah, but even the second one as well, when he lifts his arm as well, it's like, Clemo, what are you playing at, pal? Yeah. And then there was a penalty shot. Well, there was a penalty given that was overturned. Watkins headed into someone's face. Zaniolo crossed that. And then Zaniolo, it's a penalty. But is it enough? He didn't go down. Is it enough for a penalty? Like he's, he's been pulled for about 15 meters and he carried on chasing the ball. And the ref thought, ah, it's just not enough in that. That's the only thing he could have thought. There's no way he missed that. If he missed that, he's a terrible referee. If he doesn't give that, he's a terrible referee. Yeah, and this is uh, this is a large part of the problem and large of why people dive. I mean, if you can run through the box for fifteen meters, having your shirt pulled off you like that, and the ref doesn't do anything, of yeah. course, sometimes people go to the ground. Why? Why doesn't VAR intervene there? Because if he if he goes to the ground, VAR will intervene and say, "Yeah, look, the shirt was pulled. Come over and have a look." Like it's it's a clear foul. It's a clear and obvious error that he hasn't seen it. If if, if that's somebody swiped off their feet. It's the same. It's a foul as well, and they will intervene for that. Like, it, it really is encouraging the John McGinn's of this world to do that. <laughs> yeah. And look, it, it wasn't enough to stop Zaniolo running, so I, I, I get that maybe, but like you can't pull somebody's shirt. That's just that's just part of the part of the rules. The the handball shot. I mean, I would have given the penalty there 
because he's obviously a coward. I just wanted to see him punished, putting his hand up to soak his face because the ball's coming towards it. And he's obviously fucking stupid as well. Like, he was asking to concede a penalty with his arm position there. Christ almighty. Take that to the nose like a champ, like Matt Cashwood. <laughs> we have to do a couple of Vimon meter notable mentions. Emmy Martinez did keep us in the game, although he, he did also leave himself stranded as well. He came out to retrieve one of those... Long diagonal balls that seemed to be our kryptonite, and he came out and then went back, and it was actually the the depth of the lob was perfect. Like, like Martinez just gave up. It was just like, ah, well, fair, fair play to you. you. Put it exactly where I can't get it, and it's going under the crossbar. It's just that it curled away from the goal that didn't go in. But it was it was strange to see him. Like he wasn't going to get it, so it was just strange to see him concede, thinking, "Fuck's sake, that's that's over my head." <laughs> I think you're you're doing Martinez at the service. I know you you've gone into this strange world where you're praising Villa players for diving, but uh, <laughs> I, I I don't want to see Martinez diving for that because he knows it's going. Yeah, I think he knows he can see the curve and the ball's not going in. He doesn't seem to consider. He doesn't seem to react whenever it doesn't go in. Mm. It's like he's expecting to see Dean come in at the back post. That, but like that was that was mad. Like when he was coming for that, I haven't seen anyone that lost since darn England found themselves in Stockley Park. I mean. <laughs> The lad should have just nudged it past him because not only was the decision to come out mad from Martinez because it was ne- he was never going to get there and the, <laughs> the Rinsky lad obviously was, but he didn't come out at the right angle. He left his whole goalpost open and your man shouldn't take a touch there. He should just stutter past Martinez into the net. It was bizarre. And then the second one, which I'm sure you're going to mention, like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really bad decision to come out, but it's a really good decision to go back whenever he realizes this time. And it's a brilliant decision for him to wait for the shot yeah. and to save it. I mean, I think a lot of goalkeepers there just fling themselves across their goal line and hope. Like, Martinez is watching and he's waiting for that shot and he does a brilliant job of saving it. Yeah, well, this was like a nightmare of Warsaw, but back again, just down our left-hand side, in behind, ball squared across, and then a shot from the middle of the goals. And this time Martinez was ready because he'd watched it twice happen in Warsaw. And a really good save. And then he made a brilliant save from... I think Longley got across to, to make a block and it deflected. Horrible deflection, just one of those ones where it's like, oh, are we going to lose this match because of this? And yeah, Martinez made a great save with it. And the other man that I wanted to mention for the Vyman meter notable mentions was Luca Dean for his tackle to save Diego Carlos. We're trying to get a ball under control and let it get away from him. And Luca Dean came in the centre-back because Longley wasn't getting back to help. And Luca Dean <laughs> made the tackle, read out the danger. Yeah, that was absolutely brilliant from Luca Dean. The only bit of defence that he had to do in the whole game and he did it exceptionally well. And yeah, it's amazing to have Emmy Martinez in goals for every game because it's not exactly where you need to be resting either, is it? Yeah, like that's, that's the right decision. Let's just play him play him let him like he enjoys himself did you see him going after that ball that he made that save that from the long way deflection and it's a it's a it's a Zrinsky corner and he's sprinting after the ball to get it out to the corner flag because he wants them to hurry up and take the corner so we can win this back and carry on attacking yeah. again do you know like that's what i want like robin olsen you know we can criticize him for other things as well but he's not doing that he's not running after the ball to get the ball back and play as, as long as the ball's out of play he's happy he's not running after the ball <laughs> we're going to take a break in a second I just wanted to talk about the Wolves game first because I'm a bit nervous about it Villa 
as much as they seem to be Brighton's bogey team, they've beaten them five times in a row. Wolves seem to be Villa's bogey team, and not even results-wise, it's also performance-wise. I can't remember the last time Villa played well against Wolves. I know the last time they beat them was the El Ghazi penalty, but they didn't play well that day either. It was El Ghazi stepping up in the 90th minute. They put a penalty away. There's something about when Villa play Wolves. They're not good. Like I would love nothing more. I'm telling you, I'm being serious, than Villa just to go and have a nice, uneventful, nil-nil game with Wolves. I, I, just, I just don't want that feeling of like, oh, this is terrible. Like, you know, we're being run over the top. Of it. Like, this is going to go awry. Like, just just give me a nil-nil, nothing happened. Like, let, let, prove to me as well that we can just have a boring, boring goal straw because it's always it's always win or bust. And yeah, I wouldn't mind just a wee, a wee draw. My, my sights are very low right now, my ambitions. <laughs> Two o'clock on a Sunday, Con, and that's it. Like, you've got the whole weekend to look forward to it as well. <laughs> It was hanging over you. I actually didn't think we played that badly last time. We weren't as we weren't as brilliant as we had been in the pink. We might have lost the United at the game before, did we? We weren't we weren't as brilliant as we had been in the lead up to those two games. But after that we completely recovered, had those that seven points from Liverpool, Spurs and Brighton. I, I I don't think we need to worry about Wolves this time. I think we've learned our lesson and I think we're a much improved team. I'm trying to convince you that we're better than Wolves. You need to <laughs> fucking relax, pal. We just scored a last minute winner today, they won. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back after this. Dean Smith is a brilliant manager who gets the best out of this incredibly limited squad. Great to see the away fans stay afterwards and the volume of Dino, Dino, Dino ringing around. This is what happens when a well-coached team plays an uncoached team. It's a fucking joy to watch. Joy to watch. Dang, Dean Smith's doing a brilliant, brilliant, job. brilliant job. To actually take him back to the Premier League. And it is such high risk, high risk, high risk. But that's okay. okay. That is what life is all about. Yeah. Risk taking is where you find the joy in life. And Dean Smith is a roller coaster fan. Dean Smith, Dean Smith has never, never met a woman that he fancied and didn't tell her. He was the first across that void, that parted sea, the divide between the boys and the girls in the school disco. And Saucer's just in the fucking corner getting the wedgie. Corner getting the wedgie. Aston Villa out of Wembley. Aston Villa out of Wembley. Aston Villa out of Villa are in a good place right now. You know, I've had so many people say to me it's the best day they've ever had in their lives. So. Gareth Southgate's named his England squad. <laughs> always exciting, always exciting times. Uh, it's it's not new news or anything fresh that we can add to the fact that he adds in players who don't play anymore but now Ramsdale's added to that list of players who no longer play as well Kevin Phillips Harry Maguire and Aaron Ramsdale 
Has, has Harry Maguire kicked the ball since he kicked one in his own net the last time Southgate was acting as his fucking fluffer? <laughs> Hang on. He played in what must have been Man United's only win of the last month. He played in the League Cup win that they had over Crystal Palace. That that's I think he got three minutes in against Crystal Palace when they were chasing the game 1-0 down the last game. But that, that's yeah. it. Yeah, he played the League Cup match. Sorry, just thinking about Man United there. People, <laughs> people think this run, people think this run they're on is incredible. But I, I, I think what people forget is that they've spent almost two hundred million pound on three players from an Ajax team that Dusan Tadic was the best player in. <laughs> like, 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 I've actually found myself wondering: is there some sort of microclimate at Old Trafford? Because it looks like Onana's trying to catch a fucking cloud every time someone has a shot. And people were people were talking about him getting lobbed when he was on a six-yard box, as if that was the smoking gun. The issue is that he was lobbed with a ball that was a chest height when it went over his fucking head. Like that was the strangest thing about what is he on the ground for? And, and, and then the other fucking lad. I mean, the only thing that spins more pointlessly than Anthony is the fucking hamster wheel inside his head. What the fuck is this lad about? What an absolute waste of space. And speaking of hamsters, the fucking butcher's pencil of Amsterdam must have been the most relieved man in the Premier League when Man United kept Maguire in the summer. Speaking of Gareth Southgate's Maguire, it's all coming back to that kind of don't worry about it. <laughs> because Maguire's price tag and the fucking... And his ability or the only thing that's keeping anything off Martinez's price tag and ability, but that's going to come once Maguire leaves that club as well. But Harry Maguire being back in this England squad, Jesus Christ. I mean, if Ezra Kanza and Harry Maguire were racing in a straight line, Kanza would lap him. It's the, the, the levels of ability of these two players is absolutely unparalleled. The, the, the way, even you can just see it tonight. I know this team was shite tonight, but the way Kanza was defending tonight was absolutely ridiculous. And you said there they didn't have a counter-attack in plan even there is no counter-attack plan against Ezra Kanza because he's just playing at that level now where he's obviously got all the physical attributes where you just can't run past him but he's got that that stature of an absolutely brilliant center half whenever you see somebody lining him up they don't know what to do they can't figure out how they're supposed to go around them and he just looks at an absolutely elite level it's incredible Ollie Watkins did get into the squad though, so we have one cause for celebration. Although it's not like he took anybody's place, he just added him in. He just added him <laughs> in to the bunch of forwards he already had in. He still has Inketia in there, and his quotes about Ollie Watkins it was it was almost like yeah, I can imagine Southgate being gagged and, and being pushed down the aisle to to be the aisle being pushed into the press conference <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> Holly Watkins being in the Aston Villa squad, he said, like, this is him talking about somebody being called up to the England squad. You have to be careful because you don't want to go on recency bias. You have to be careful. Careful about what? He's been with us before. We know his character. So it's almost like, yeah, I knew he was good all along as well. His team are playing well. He is playing for a team who are really well coached and the team are in a good moment. That's that's a trigger for me, you know, when English managers use that, <laughs> that turn of phrase that, that foreign managers use in a good moment. It doesn't make any sense, and, and it's, it's in their vocabulary now as well. Um, but yeah, like he's saying, you don't like we're not going on recency bias. This is Gareth Southgate, who when he doesn't pick Ollie Watkins, talks about there's other players scoring more goals at the minute. But he's <laughs> he's, 
Watkins has also been doing it on recency bias, but he's also been doing it since the whole time you and I, Emery's been here. This is what I've been talking about in the last podcast. I gave out the stats that only Haaland and Salah have more goal contributions than Watkins. Kane's just below him, and obviously he's missed out in seven games now because he's not in the Premier League. But <laughs> oh, and Kane's a good player as well. But Watkins <laughs> has been doing it. Watkins is brilliant. And it just feels like it's a bit annoying, even though he finally picks him, and I'm delighted for Watkins. It's he's sort of justifying it in a way that's playing it down as well yeah I, I hope that gagged and pushed down the aisle wasn't a Freudian slip from someone who's just gotten married but yeah, <laughs> it, it is strange that he seems to have to be corralled into picking Aston Villa players it is bizarre that he feels like he has to constantly justify it as well I mean he can just pick somebody from any other you know purported big team and he doesn't he doesn't feel the need to to defend it we've talked about this before i mean jack Grealish was was one of the best players in the country for a full season before he got got picked by gareth southgate before gareth southgate you know uh, lowered himself to picking an aston villa player mm. and this was always the most frustrating thing about gareth southgate why the fuck does he keep going to villa park he hates the club oh geez his days off like that's where he goes when he's not working he, he goes just to watch football he's not he's not he's not scouting anybody up at villa park <laughs> It's a nice way to relax for him. He knows that nothing will come into like there'll be no thoughts of work while I'm at Villa Park. Yeah, that, sorry. The only the only thing that Gareth Southgate has ever done though that has made me say, "Huh, fair play," is dropping Mason Mount, and 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 that includes getting through knockout games against Colombia, Sweden, you know, historically bad Germany that hasn't gotten out of the last two groups. It's, in the World Cup and Ukraine, Denmark and Senegal. Like, you know, despite all that success, yeah. dropping Mason Mount is the only thing that I respect him for. It's the thing I actually respect him most for. And I'm, I'm delighted that he hasn't bowed to that pressure yet. I've got a new category I want to go through. It's called the Amwire Gazi. Very happy and excited for this amazing opportunity. Saddest social media post of the week. <laughs> I told you, I told you, I've got titles in you, <laughs> This is in honour of El Ghazi's time at Everton, the poor bastard. He moved to Everton. His Instagram account had the picture of him joining Everton and said, I'm very happy and excited for this amazing opportunity. And then the next four posts from that announcement that I was joining Everton were a Ramadan post, a birthday post, an amazing experience at Albuquerque Zoo post and a squirrel at his front door picture and then it's welcome to PSV. <laughs> <laughs> it was so sad. Like, you know, I don't mean I'm really gassy sad. I mean, I was actually sad for him. It was just, ah, it was lousy and he'd just come off the back of a really good season with Villa and he was all happy to go to Everton. We all thought that's a great sign and he might rip it up for him and he just, like, he, he met Frank Lampard and he never played him. And that was it. And that, that was like, that's why his Instagram account reflects nothing of his time at Everton. But I've got two nominations here for this award, the saddest social media post of the week. And Robbie Keane, <laughs> Robbie Keane share, is sharing his press conferences on his Instagram account. He's sharing Robbie Keane talking to the media on his story this is a football manager like so did everybody say never meet your heroes you never follow them on social media because <laughs> Robbie Keane's obviously massive Irish hero 
But I remember he wished Fernando Torres happy birthday one time. And then Torres shared it. So you can share somebody's story on your own story. And then Robbie Keane shared Torres sharing his story. <laughs> it was just like, what are you doing? You're Robbie Keane. You don't need to show off that Fernando Torres saw your message. <laughs> so it's sad enough that he's he is now you know sharing on like, oh, hey, look at look at me talking to the media. Isn't this mad? And <laughs> I think the winner of this saddest social media post of the week award has to be Stephen Gerrard. Stephen <laughs> Gerrard must be part of his deal to to be a rep for Saudi Arabia. I mean, we, we know that they've, they've paid people like Messi shitloads of money. I remember Jordan Henderson was asked, was part of your contract going out to Saudi Arabia that you have to post certain things on social media. Steven Gerrard put out a post today. Incredible to think that the 11-year journey to a home World Cup might already have started for some of my youth players. Saudi Arabia flag, hashtag Saudi2034. And Jordan Henderson then shared that on since Saudi <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> so I'd say it's part of their contracts. They're getting paid shitloads of money. Yeah, you are going to put out a couple of social media posts for us as well. But I was just thinking, Robbie Keane sharing on him doing an interview. Stephen Gerrard, like a post, a pre-match interview, I mean. Stephen Gerrard sharing on Saudi Arabia World Cup ambitions for 2034. Imagine an I doing either of those things. <laughs> well, like Steven Gerrard was the last manager he was the one who held the reins just before Ian Emery came in it wasn't even a full year ago Steven Gerrard was in charge of the job Ian Emery would take over he was residing at that club handed over the baton and now this is what he's doing on his social media account That's just, it is very sad I'm just glad that you ended up talking about the Saudi Arabia the second nomination in that category there as well because it uh, by the end of the Robbie Keane talk, I still hadn't remembered he was actually managing that. <laughs> he's, he's, in, he's in Israel, I know that. <laughs> but like, this is the thing about Stephen Gerrard and Jordan Henderson. When they went there and they said, no, they wanted to be ambassadors for football. They wanted to help the sport grow. People would have actually accepted them a lot more and would have given them a lot more credit had they just said, we're getting paid a fucking fortune. Of course we're going there. My career is, both of them could say this, my career is finished <laughs> and these lads are going to pay me tens of millions of pounds to fucking see it out over here. <laughs> but this is the thing, is people actually use that as an argument for them anyway, unbeknownst to them. They all said, of course they're going to go, they're getting paid loads of money. And then people like Jordan Henderson since came out argued against that. They say it's nothing to do with the money. It's like, oh my God, you made this way harder for yourself. Because like, <laughs> we really don't know what it's for. Anyway, I've got to move on to the, would you sign that player just in case of water? Because I've got a good one this week. <laughs> Troy Deeney. Excuse me, Troy Deeney. This could be news, Liam missed. I hope news. I hope Liam missed because Troy Deeney has been talking about Harry Kane. Troy Deeney, who's still playing football, by the way, for Forest Green Rovers, and Troy <laughs> Deeney, who is now top of the Would You Sign That Player Just In Case Award because Troy Deeney has been comparing himself with Harry Kane. <laughs> is Kane a better footballer than Deeney? Says Deeney. Fucking absolutely. I'd be fucking naive to think he's not. Is he a better finisher than me? Yes. I thought he was going to say no there. <laughs> he leaves you hanging there. Can he hit a ball better than me? No. 
can he control a ball better than me? Like, look after it when there's two men on his back? No. So when you're winning a game in the 85th minute and you need someone to come on because he's getting a bit tired or whatever, he can't do what I can do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Destroyed anything Harry Kane is. He can't do what I can do. How how simplistic is he boiling football down to as well? It's all about having two men at your back. There's a reason you don't see Harry Kane in those positions. And Harry Kane would be fine in those positions as well. I don't need to I don't need to get into this. But she was well, fine anyway. Harry Harry Kane would be fine in this position because he'd be backing in the defender who's trying to legitimately go up and win the headers <laughs> and then the guy fall to the ground because he's a fucking scumbag. <laughs> but Troy Deeney is definitely a better striker of fucking defenseless drunk students. I mean I think it's pretty clear he didn't spend this this three months in prison reading anyway. Like it was all it was all bench pressing from Troy Deeney I'd say. And it's not difficult to imagine that he couldn't find anyone to spot bottom meter because he's such a twat and it's even less difficult to imagine that he might have he might have ended up dropping the bar on his head a few times and that might explain the absolute fucking nonsense you've just spewed there <laughs> there was no nonsense spewed on the Fozcast though he was spitting the facts <laughs> it was brilliant he was actually talking about the Gary Neville VAR situation about the Liverpool Spurs match and and it was Jesus. It was just saying, "I'm telling you, this is what this is what's happened. This is what has happened at Sky, VAR or Premier League or PGMOL, whoever got on the phone during the game and said, do not talk about it because there's an agreement between the Sky and the PGMOL.'" And he said, "I'm telling you, that's what would have happened. That's why Gary Neville's gone so soft on them, and that's why Sky didn't even show any replays of that goal until the last ten seconds, as the teams were coming back out onto the pitch. Which is actually true. I remember that happened, and thinking that was really strange. And at this stage, we weren't even talking about, you know, the conspiracy and the VAR and whatever else. I remember just thinking that was a very quick offside flash that they didn't look at, and it looked pretty onside. But that was all we solved until until the players were walking out onto the pitch, and it was like very quickly, Jamie, what do you think of this? But Pan Foster isn't having any of this shit. <laughs> it, it is. I don't, I don't think we ta- have talked about this because I don't think it had dropped yet. The most remarkable thing about all that is that the PGMOL had, in essence, given them permission to stop the game. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the lad who... Ollie, Ollie. Gonna, Ollie, 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 who was being pointed out to the fucking the two professional referees by the lad who's in charge of doing the graphics on the fucking screen, the only lad who seemed to know what he was talking about. Ollie gave them permission to stop the game, so their bosses told them it's fine to stop the game, and then they said to themselves, "We can't stop the game. There's nothing we can do. You liter- do There's literally something you can do. Stop the game. Your fucking bosses told you to. Can't do anything." <laughs> it actually but it does make the Crystal Palace decision the, the penalty decision against Crystal Palace even better because now all I imagine is Darren England going over with the VAR telling them to go over and have a look at the screen and Darren England saying can't do anything <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving the penalty <laughs> but yeah, like the young lad is the only one who yeah seemed to be listening to the boss He's the only one who also like he also is the only one who seemed to notice that they made a mistake. <laughs> There's a VAR and an assistant VAR, and he's the only one who seemed to care that they made a mistake. Then and the one that wanted to get to the right decision, and the rest of them were just like, "Why, why are you still battering on about this? Shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the TVP question box to finish off over on our Instagram page. If you're not following us, we're on the Villa Podcast Show 
on Instagram. So we'll put out a little box here for all our midweek games. Niall says, does Liam secretly have a fantasy team and just doesn't want to give up any tips? Jesus Christ, any fucking fantasy I have is that you'll stop talking about fantasy football. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> Tom. I think that's a secret. <laughs> There's actually a lot of the questions now I have to sift through and it is very enjoyable. Is just about fashion segment or fantasy football stuff. <laughs> I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best to sort of limit them and just get, keep you fresh. And I'm aware that I did use up a fantasy question on you on WhatsApp today outside of the shows. I don't want to... I don't want to expose you to too much of it. Sorry, <laughs> if you don't want to expose me to too much of it, and this is where we're at, fucking hell. <laughs> Tom asked uh, what our opinion is on the Villa Crest. I'd like to see us do a rebrand Seattle Sounder style. I mean, look, my opinion on the Villa Crest has been consistent. It's a, it's not fair that it's being judged with this kit. We need to see it. We need to see it on a proper kit. It's implicated in this drenched, soaking, depressing-looking jersey. This incompetent jersey. The crest is now being—it's been tarnished by that. Like that's all we see. The only time, the only chance we get to see this new crest, we're seeing this jersey. This is why Villa have opened communications again with the fans to get more feedback on it because you know, like it's—it's it's not going to go down well. Like this, it's—it's it's never going to look good. Put it onto a proper jersey put it on on a proper billboard put it on the bloody social media channels and we might get to have a look at this new crest if they change it after a year that's fine we all know the crack by now but you know give the crest a chance that's what i say i'd say stop trying to slip a fashion conversation in under the fence here <laughs> callum callum asked what aston villa game would you two demand a rematch for uh, Sheffield United nil all to dispel the fucking myth that we wouldn't be able to find an equaliser with our front three of Grealish, El Ghazi and Keenan Davis with fucking Samago ready to be sprung from the bench. If if Nylon had been caught out for that one, Colin, I think we would have been all right. I want that rematch to happen though, and I want those teams to take to the pitch again. I want to bring Samago back from the dead or wherever he is now, and I want to play that game. <laughs> Remember all that talk to it, and it was very exciting for two games about Keenan Davis. Apparently, he was a beast after lockdown, and they were he was destroying people in training. Grealish was—I remember Grealish talking about him after the Sheffield United game, saying about how what a big player he's going to be for the closing stage. It felt like we had a new signing, and just it's never happened. Yeah. It was always so close to happening for poor Keenan. Yeah, Keenan Davis' stock went up whenever no one saw him play football for five months. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne said, if you had to pick a Villa player to be your baby's godfather, who would you choose and why? <laughs> the people are very interested in getting Villa players involved in our fucking families. It's like, actually very creative, though. How many different outlets we're getting for them. Who's replacing me as your best man? Who's shagging your wife or whatever it was? And, and, and maybe, that's, maybe that's the question we should be asking here. Like, who do you want to be the godfather of Ollie Watkins' child that you're now raising because the world hasn't collapsed or whatever the original proposition was that time? That does change things. Now that I don't know it's Ollie Watkins' child. So we care a bit more about the child's future. I'm like, I need to look. I need to keep Ollie happy. Uh, who are you going for? <laughs> I'm going Matt Cash. I think Matt Cash would be good. He seems like a sound fella. He seems like he'd be active on WhatsApp. He'd be getting back to the to the child. He seems very good at all sports. He, he likes snooker, as we heard on the Fozcast. He loves golf. He's very good at golf, as we saw on the Jimmy Bullard YouTube channel. And yeah, I think he would take him out for a load of days. He would get him over to Poland. 
maybe teach him a different language. Yeah, imagine she's, it has to be Matt Cash, doesn't it? Uh, well, Matt Cash isn't the only bilingual player in the Aston Villa team. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think he is bilingual either. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think Emmy Martin has to be a good crack to look after a child, wouldn't he? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> He would be a protector anyway. Imagine how many Martin is taking those oaths and shirts like he would be taking that seriously. <laughs> Do you promise to defy the devil? Well, I don't know what it is. Yeah, like, Jesus, I mean, Martin is would be fucking taking that to his grave. <laughs> yeah, you might have won this one. You might be a bit overbearing though as well. You know, you don't want him you don't want him taking over and trying to trying to be the actual follower as opposed to the god follower. <laughs> yeah, well I'm a good father, so <laughs> last one JMF said do a draft five aside team from the 2016 Villa fucking hell oh, he says with you on it so that actually might help things like that, that definitely helps my team if both your teams played who would win <laughs> so that's good because I was going to put Gabby in nets because he was the right size around that time just to block off the five aside nets <laughs> But I'm going to take him out and I'm going to put me in this. I can't. I, I have nothing against Mark Bond, but I, I, I can't. Or even Brad Guzan. I have a few things against him, but I, I can't. I, I just can't look at these keepers the same way. I never will ever again. So I'm going in this. I'm not picking any defender because, again, I can't look at any of them. I like Alan Hunt. You know, I've got a soft spot for Alan Hutton, but I think Idrissa Gay is going to be enough to cover everybody at the back. And you know how obsessed I was with Carlos Gill. And <laughs> so I'm gonna have Gill, Grealish, and Sinclair as the front three. Oh, what? Sinclair? Connor, we're playing fucking five aside here, not SPL. You can't have fucking <laughs> Scott Sinclair in your team. <laughs> Adrisa Gay mopping up along with me at the back. So Gay, Grealish, Gill and Sinclair. You are a fucking moron. Not getting Jeez. the ball off us until Sinclair gets it. <laughs> So, so like I've, I think we've both agreed in the past that it's that it's the weakest player who always decides a five a side game. So if you and I are both on the team, I think I think we know which team's going to win. <laughs> so I'm like fucking like I think you have to go for Guzan, get him to lie down and cover the net like in the same way you're thinking about Gabby Aglapondo. Where I think Guzan's head would cover most of the goal area. To be fair, <laughs> I'll I'll play I'll play as the lad with the most defensive responsibilities you know the default sweeper the last man and then right, also Scott Sinclair will have a fucking field yeah, dictating the play in the tempo and there's a couple of reasons for that Conan because I'd rather play with myself in a fucking high street window than play with Julian Lescott or Mika Richards <laughs> and I also don't think that I wouldn't be I'd fancy me I'd fancy myself against Scott Sinclair Conan <laughs> particularly with the fucking supply line that you've just given them there I mean like obviously, obviously, it's gonna to have to be. See, I think what you've forgotten. They said the 2016 team here. Grealish was a fucking disgrace for that season. Grealish, and, you see, and he, and he lost every game he played. No. Like I'm not looking to go for pints after the game here, Colin. I have to win this. I have enough friends. You've clearly forgotten the sliding doors moment, the Tim Sherwood sliding doors moment, the 2015 September 2015 when. Carlos Gill and Grealish played in the two number tens position, and we went two 0 up at Leicester. Fucking destroyed him. We lost three two. Read the question again there. From twenty sixteen Villa, but I assume that means twenty fifteen sixteen season, right? Ah, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's twenty sixteen section of that season. So we'll just remember that you've picked Grealish. <laughs> now you can't go again. 
<laughs> I picked an injured Grealish. You picked a drunk, injured Grealish. You got out for pints with him after the game, though, so that's great. So obviously, it has to be something. Like, this is so depressing. Obviously, it does have to be some combination of Hutton, Guy, Veritu, Grealish, Ayu. Fuck it. Ayu is probably our top. So I know you've gone for Scott Sinclair there, but Ayu is probably our top scorer with about four goals that season. <laughs> and. Uh, I've played too many games in Tala and Spawell to feel confident enough to pick Carlos Gill five aside. And on the other side, lad, I've also seen too many games of football to pick Adama Trory to play any sort of variation of the sport. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know. Me, Guy, Veritu, and Ayu. Oh, fuck off. My, my team is destroying that. Give me- <laughs> You're not getting the ball off Gill and Grealish. Just bang, 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 bang. I could blow Gill off the ball. Don't forget, you've put yourself out in the four outfielders. I've had the humility to say to the boys, go you and play. I'll stand back here in nets and watch you. And you will just be standing there as the ball is just going flying past you. Obviously, I'm not picking Veritu and fucking Ayu. <laughs> I, have to, I have to pick Grealish. <laughs> guy, me, Guy, Grealish and Ayu. You guys. Like, I fancy Idrissa. I fancy Guy, Gill, Grealish, and Sinclair. So I'm going Gill instead of you, and I'm going Sinclair Sorry, instead of you. Can you forgetting that we're not playing for? You're the goalkeeper here. <laughs> you're the goalkeeper against professional footballers and me. <laughs> you're you're the outfielder against Carlos Gill. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's leave it there. Uh, we've got a good win good 94th 95th minute win thanks to John again what a night it was actually it was really enjoyable this podcast was really enjoyable as well so thanks for listening thanks if you made it the whole way through again as always seem to be drop off rates there um, I, I, you know what <laughs> if, if you did if you did make it through let me know because I do see it in the stats I see people dropping off now I see them dropping off after 40 minutes I don't buy into this you know podcast has to be 40 minutes like come on let's, let's rail against that let's just listen well, to the extra 5 minutes please you know? well based on the fucking 30 seconds you've just added on here you obviously don't think the podcast has <laughs> to be 40 minutes anyway thanks a million we're wolves away on Sunday so let's just enjoy ourselves before then shall we this was a good night let's just let's just let's just focus on that thanks All again right, Steve. <laughs> we'll see you later all the best mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 